Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 96, glad to be back. Dropping this episode a little bit earlier in the week than I usually do, mostly because uh, my schedule in the next few days uh, doesn't allow me the opportunity to do an episode, so I figured I'd do it now and uh, drop it. And I'm kind of glad I am because, um, you know, my thoughts are fresh in my mind with uh, the Champions League uh, with Benfica a short time ago qualifying. And then, of course, we had the matches uh, with uh, Sporting and Porto. So I've got a lot to say about that and the experience I had going to a pub to uh, to watch the uh, Porto game. Um, and then uh, after I tell you that in a minute, uh, we're going to do the Liga B-Win review, two Liga report. We got Tasa the Liga next week. Things are going to get a little bit busy now with the schedule, and, and I'll kind of explain it. We'll have my uh, picks uh, and by the way, I suck at my picks, so don't take them uh, seriously, but I'm still going to give you my picks. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some fan mail that I received, some listener mail. Uh, Abola has Luis Diaz with 11 goals. Uh, everybody else has him with 10 goals. Uh, that's not a mistake. I'll explain what's going on with that in a, a few minutes. Uh, Portuguese players, Bernardo Silva, Jota, Andre Silva, Cristiano's Cristiano. Bruno has his good moments. Um, everybody's doing quite well outside of Portugal, but here we are again looking at all our National League team players doing well, and we're still going uh, to a playoff. 13-player uh, rule was uh, was uh, basically put into effect, and I'm going to talk about that. My club, Atlético dos Arcos, have made it to the uh, playoffs Um and then I'm going to talk a little bit also about Bruno Lage and uh, things of that matter. But before I get going with my usual stuff, usually I begin with the schedule, but I'm going to begin this episode since the thoughts are fresh in my mind with the uh, Champions League. Um, first off, it's a bittersweet week because to have the opportunity to have three Portuguese teams advance to the Champions League uh, would have been awesome. It's never happened We've had on uh, various occasions two teams make it to the Champions League round of 16, as is, of course, the case this year. But we've never had three teams, and we had a real opportunity this year uh, to do that. And so the day of sport, uh, IX Sporting and uh, Porto uh, Atletico, uh, I took the afternoon off from work uh, to go to a, a local pub to uh, watch uh, the uh, matches. Um, the place I go to shows on a humongous amount of TV screens uh, just about everything. And as long as you sit in the right place, you could kind of follow everything along, along with my uh, the score app so I can you know see what games are going on that I can't see with the TV. And uh, you know, in my part of the world, the games are on in the afternoon, which means when you talk about a game in Portugal that's at 2,800 hours, uh, in my part of the country, East Coast, you're talking about a 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 1,500-hour start. That's the same for Toronto, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Miami, uh, Fall River, you name it, Bridgeport, all the big Portuguese communities up and down the, uh, the North America coast. And um, I took an opportunity. I took the afternoon off, met up with a, a friend of mine who's a big fan of Sevilla, so he's not necessarily a big fan of Atletico, but we met up to catch up. And uh, we went to a place to go watch the match. And 
the place I went to also had a section for Atletico fans. It's called like an Atletico bar. And I'm watching this game, and, you know, you're talking to the other people. Everyone's in a group. Uh, initially, there were some problems with the uh, video. They actually didn't. We missed, I think, the actual first 15 minutes of the Porto game because of this, uh, you know, I guess Paramount was having issues, and I'm not sure if it was related to this web Amazon thing, but uh, every time they would click on the Porto match, they kept getting the Shakhtar match or, or whoever they were playing, the Sheriff. Um, but uh, we watched a little bit of the sporting, and then eventually they were able to uh, not fix it, but whatever was fixed with Paramount, we were watching it. And, you know, when you talk to fans of other big clubs, in this case Atletico, there were a lot of fans of Milan also there at the bar, um, a lot of people always say the nicest thing about Portugal. Beautiful country, beautiful food, beautiful to go there on vacation. And then when they talk about football, soccer, how Portugal produces amazing talent and has managed to, in the last 10 to 15 years, produce some great managers as well. There is never an argument about those things. People really respect Portugal for that. But when you sit there and you talk to them about playing a Porto, playing a Benfica, playing a Sporting, they'll give you the respect, but then they're also going to kind of say at the very end, but, you know, if, if, if we, if, you know, in this case, Atletico, if we, if we do what we're supposed to do, I think we're going to walk away with, uh, you know, the three points. Um, there's always that thing where there is that respect, but there's also that thing of, but when push comes to shove, I think the better team is, is going to win. And over the years, that's the thing that drives me about, uh, you know, the Champions League is, you know, when Porto beats Juventus, um, it was awesome because all my Italian friends, first off, um, they stopped responding to you for a few days. Um, but it's just it's just like, you know, you get to the Champions League and everyone wants to play the easiest team in the draw. And when you get to February and March, a lot of times, you know, you've got the big five in there most of the time. And then you've got, you know, maybe a Portuguese, few Portuguese teams like us. And unfortunately, at that time of the year, a lot of times, you know, when you go looking, you'd rather play a team from Portugal than a team from the Premier League, La Liga, you know, La Liga 1, um, Syria, whatever it may be. Bundesliga, of course. Um, but it just always annoys me when people kind of give you the respect, but they know at the end of the day they still expect to win because, you know, for them, they're more worried about what they're going to be facing in the next match. And so when Porto does what they do and beat Juventus, when Benfica did what they did many years ago, going to back-to-back -back Europas, I vividly remember very well. When Porto beat Monaco in the Champions League, I mean, Porto that year was incredible. I remember the year before that when Porto beat Celtic in Seville to win uh, what was called at the time the UEFA Cup. We've had our moments of Portuguese history, um, but more often than not, we've had our moments where, unfortunately, there are opportunities for us and we let it down. And what was very disappointing, you know, congratulations to Sporting. I said last week, European night at Alvalade, and a credit to Sporting. A team that's perennially considered to be the second best team in the Bundesliga came into Alvalade and sporting to their credit took care of business and they won and they qualified with one match uh, to go. Benfica, okay, they could have wrapped it up if Seferovic scored that goal against Barcelona, not only winning at the new camp, but they missed, he missed Seferovic. But at the end of the day, 
Benfica did beat Dynamo Kiev. Yaramachuk finally scores after a long drought. And Benfica does, and they eventually advance, and they knock um, basically Barcelona for the first time in 18 years out of advancing to the uh, Champions League. But Benfica, regardless of how many people are disappointed in the team right now, give them credit, they did advance and they took care of business. But Porto is a bit surprising because they were playing Atletico, a team that this year is not as good as they were last year when they won the La Liga, at least I don't think they are. Um, and it was all for, like Sergio Conceição said, it was in their house, it was in front of their fans. They had their opportunities. They've had several opportunities in the groups, as we all know. But at the end of the day, it just did not go their way, and they wound up losing at home 3 to nil. And if you were going to say which team in Portugal did you not expect to advance, um, I think you would have said, you probably would have said maybe a Sporting or Benfica, or probably Benfica. But I think most people, because, you know, to be fair to Porto, they've been the best team in the Champions League for Porto in, you know, in the last 10 years. I mean, what they've done a few years ago, they knocked out Roma. If you remember, I think it was in the round of 16. So Porto's had their moments, but it was just very frustrating to be at a, a pub, a bar, or as we say it, and, um, you know, watch this game. And the first half, 0-0, 0-0. And then in the second half, you know, everybody comes back out on the pitch and you're thinking one goal. One goal should take care of business. And at the end of the day, Oblak, a uh, fantastic goalkeeper. I remember him well with Porto. I remember him, uh, excuse me, with Benfica. I remember him very well when he was at Rio Ave. Um, fantastic goalkeeper. And at the end of the day, he had his good moments. Just like, you know, Neuer did a few uh, match days ago against Benfica early on where he made a big save. And then eventually, if you remember the Luz, Bayern late in the game uh, took care of business. And at the end of the day, if you're a Portuguese team, you got to take care of, you know, your chances. And you got to give sporting credit that they did that. Uh, Benfica tonight had to win and they did that and you give them credit. But Porto, it's disappointing. Now they drop down to the Europa playoff. Uh, basically, as the third place team, they still have a chance in Europe. I don't know how excited many people are going to be, but now they're going to basically be in a draw on Monday, which is also the day of the Champions League draw. Um, basically, um, there's going to be this draw, and they're going to be in the unseeded group. The seeded teams will be all the second place teams in the Europa, and then out of that, they're all going to be playing a playoff uh, toward the end of uh, February. And uh, and by the way, you know, when I was talking about the times, about how the fact that, you know, here in North America, we're watching most of the time the matches are at 2,000 hours. But sometimes you have a match that's, you know, 1745, which is 145 here, um, you know, in the States, uh, in North America. Um, People in Portugal should love the fact that, at least in the case of the 2,100-hour games, 8 o'clock games, that you get to watch the game and you're not worried about you know, being at work um, or you, know, you don't have to make arrangements like many of us do to make sure that we're available you know, for those two hours. Um, but um, you know, that was, was, you know, was very interesting. And by the way, just to give you a better example of what it's like in the uh, East Coast of North America, when they drew the draws on Monday, the, the Champions League draws at 11 a.m., which is 6 a.m. East Coast time. The Europa draws at 12, which is 7 a.m. So everybody in Europe gets to enjoy that lunch hour to see the draws. We in North America have to get up really early. But you know what? That's not a big deal. But I just, you know, a lot of people don't understand. That. And I say that because I had a cousin of mine a few years ago who came on vacation, was doing a lot of sightseeing, 
and he totally is conditioned to the Champions League. Back then, I think it was like 1945, you know, everyone was playing at the same time. And I remember once he uh, bought tickets uh, to go to a play, and I said to him, I said, what are you doing buying uh, tickets? You know, your team Benfica is, I think at the time Benfica was playing against Zenit in the Champions League, and, you know, he was just so conditioned to the game being at 8 o'clock at night, he didn't realize that in this case it was uh, 20, 1,500 hours. So that's just a funny story to pass along. But the bottom line is, is at least two teams are in the Champions League, which, again, repeats an accomplishment that Portugal has done many times. Again, at least Porto is still playing in Europe in the Europa League. And by the way, Porto can do very well in the Europa League. One would even argue that Porto has a better chance to advance farther in the Europa League than some would say Sporting or Benfica will have when it comes to the Champions League. But, you know, we'll see. Um, but nevertheless, we at least have two teams. But we had an opportunity to have three teams, and I think that's what's most uh, disappointing. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a league like Portugal, you have to take advantage of your opportunity. So that's my thoughts, fresh thoughts from the Champions League. And, uh, again, it's great to see two teams through. By the time you hear this, Braga will soon uh, be playing. Uh, Braga, again, uh, if they win their group, they avoid that Europa playoff. If they finish second... Then they go into this uh, Europa playoff that Porto will be in. Uh, not, Porto cannot play Braga, so, uh, but nevertheless they'll be having to play uh, an, you know an extra two matches if they go into this uh, playoff round. So it's very important for Braga. You know, let's hope that they win, and that they put themselves in a better position to go straight through the round of 16. And I and I think. And by the way, Braga's got a very tough schedule coming up. You know, now that I'm going to start talking about the schedule in the Liga B, when you've got Braga playing Thursday. At home against the team from Serbia. Then Sunday, they got to go to Dragon to play Porto. And then next Thursday, they got to play Tasa de Liga. So a very busy three weeks, three different competitions. Um, and basically, if you're Braga and you're not careful, um, you could be eliminated in one of them, the Tasa de Liga, if you don't win. You could find yourself going to the playoff if you don't win against Serbia in the Europa match at home. And although you're probably, in my opinion at least, way too far from being able to catch up to the big three, nevertheless, Braga is going to be playing at Porto, and they, you know, they still have hopes of trying to finish at least in a third place. But let's go ahead with the uh, upcoming schedule. And there's no doubt, by the way, that the match this weekend, the best match this weekend, is, of course, uh, Porto-Braga. Uh, there's really no disputing that. Um, and let me tell you why this is going to be a very good match, besides the fact that it is you know, the team that's tied for first playing the team that's in fourth place, uh, Braga defeating Estoril last week. And uh, as a result, they now have a four-point lead ahead of Estoril sitting in uh, fourth uh, place. But uh, listen to these scores, the last five matches of Braga-Porto. Uh, the last time they played was the two legs of the Taça de Portugal. Braga won in Dragon 3-2. to two. They tied 1-1 in the first leg in Braga. I, if I remember, there was a lot of controversy in that match. I think that was the match when the pitch wasn't in great shape. I think one of the players unfortunately got hurt and there was an ambulance that had to come onto the pitch. And then I think the ambulance got stuck because it was raining that night and the players had to push it. I, I, you probably remember that match. But 1-1 uh, in that uh, first leg. Um, and then uh, before that, uh, Braga Porto in the Liga was 2-2. Uh, and that was the week, by the way, in February where they played twice. So essentially, they played in the Liga 2-2, two, two, 
Braga Porto at home, Braga at home, and then Braga three days later played the first leg of the Tasa de Portugal, and they drew 1-1. And remember, I remember there was a lot of controversy in those matches. And then before that, Porto beat Braga 3-1. That was in September of, of last season. I think that might have been, I think that was the, the opener of last season. And then uh, before that as well, uh, uh, we saw, and this was during the time when we were playing again, um, when we resumed play, and that was when Braga beat Porto uh, 2-1. to So in the last five matches, um, Braga won, they drew, they draw, Porto won, and then Braga won. So that's the history of the last five matches between these two teams, and there's no doubt that this is the match of this weekend. You got Sporting, and by the way, that match is on Sunday. Uh, you got Sporting hosting Boa Vista on Saturday. Uh, not the greatest results uh, going to IX, losing 42. I know a lot of the younger players, I think they've, you know, they fielded their youngest ever in uh, Europe, which is great, and give Ruben Amarin a lot of credit. And I mentioned that last week. I said, you know, Virginia is going to probably be the goalkeeper. They're going to probably start some of the younger players, like, uh, you know, they'll get some minutes like Braganza. And I said it there last week. And that's, in fact, uh, what they did. So they walked away losing uh, 42. Uh, they lost 9-3 to on aggregate, by the way, to Ajax. So um, when you look at everybody's team that you don't want to play, Sporting is Ajax, Porto is Liverpool, and Benfica is Bayern based on you know overall results the last few years, especially when you see you know results between Porto and uh, Liverpool. Uh, also uh, this weekend, um, Benfica is going to be going up north to play Familia Gong. Uh, Familia Kong is a very interesting situation. They uh, they lost last week. I think it was something like four uh, nil. Uh, a lot of people thought Ivo Vieira was going to be sacked uh, after the match. Uh, Ivo Vieira and the players went over to the supporter section and uh, basically acknowledged them and took some heat from the fans. But they still went there. They you know they showed their face. Um, that was the match, by the way, when they lost in Barcelona four uh, nil. But uh, Ivo Vieira is still with uh, Familia Kong, and Familia Kong will be hosting uh, this weekend. Uh, Familia Kong will be hosting uh, Benfica. So Benfica, fresh off of beating Dynamo Kiev, the good feelings now. Uh, they all of a sudden now got to make the uh, trip up north to Familia Kong, which, by the way, I've been told, I've mentioned this in the past, that Familia Kong area has got a ton of Benfica fans. It's it's a very big Benfica hotbed of fans, I, I've been uh, told. Also this weekend, the B-side match, they were initially supposed to play on Saturday. Uh, B-side and Estoril Praia will be moved to Sunday. Uh, B-side, Belenense Saad, um, obviously, you know, the situation after the debacle in the Jamor with uh, Benfica, they, uh, a lot of the players, I think there was like 12 players, tested uh, positive for Omicron, the new variant, and uh, they've been in isolation. But uh, apparently a number of them are now out of isolation. Uh, they did ask for the match to be moved to Sunday. So I think they've only got like two days, two full days with all the players or most of the players, maybe three days with some of the players. But uh, they go into a situation this week that's going to be uh, really, really tough. I don't understand why they don't play that match <clears throat> on uh, Monday because – Neither Bilanensha Saad, Bisad, or Estrella are playing in the Tasa de Liga next week. So <clears throat> I'm not really sure why they didn't just um, move that match uh, to Monday. But nevertheless, they're going to be playing on uh, Sunday at 1530. Um, and then uh, the pretty much the week gets going on Friday. Passos de Ferreira will be playing Gil Vicente. Of course, Gil Vicente coming off of the 4-0 uh, uh, win. Uh, Maritimo is going to be playing Santa Clara. 
Uh, Vitoria Guimarães will be hosting uh, Tundela. Tundela, remember last year, they also uh, weren't able to play because they had some players in COVID isolation, but they're back. Um, so that's a match. And then you got Moreirense uh, playing Portimonense. And then the Liga week will end on Monday with Roca playing uh, Vizela. And I'll have my uh, picks coming up in a, a few moments. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, coming up next week, of course, we have the Tasa de Liga. Uh, basically, uh, well, let me just start off with, unfortunately, the bad news for Porto fans. And by the way, I'm, I'm sorry, Porto fans. Because I know, uh, like, my cousins in France will give me a hard time. Eh, pá, então, you know, só falas mal do Porto. Well, I'm sorry. There's just not a lot of good things to say. But, unfortunately, we know Porto, uh, they are out of it. But uh, Benfica needs to score a lot of goals to stay in it. Uh, Braga needs to beat Boa Vista. And we know Sporting, as long as they get one point, uh, they're playing Penafial, they will uh, go through. So the schedule basically, after the Liga B win action this weekend, you got on Tuesday Penafial playing Sporting, uh, Sporting going up north to the suburbs of Porto to play that match. All Sporting needs is a point. Uh, Benfica will be playing on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so, again, Sporting will be playing on Tuesday. Benfica will be playing uh, Govia on uh, Wednesday. I probably didn't say that right. I'm sorry. But uh, Benfica needs to win. If they win by three goals, uh, and by the way, Covilla has already been eliminated. They have no shot mathematically. They are struggling in the uh, second division. They just got a new manager, Lionel Punch, who, if you remember, managed briefly sporting a few years ago. He also spent some time at uh, Meritimu. But Benfica needs to beat uh, Covilla by three goals. If they win only by two goals, um, as long as it's not 2 nothing, and let's say it's a 3-1 to one or 4-2, to two, then they go through because of the amount of goals that they've scored in uh, the group. So Benfica, uh, after playing uh, basically this weekend a familiar Kong, they will then be going to the Luge, and they'll get a lot of support to try to advance to the Final Four. And again, they just need to... They win by three goals, they're through. They win by two goals, as long as it's by a score of like 4-2 to two or 3-1, to one, you know, as long as they score more than two goals. They'll be fine. And then uh, Porto, again, it's they're out of it. Um, they're playing uh, Riwav. Uh, Riwav is still in it. Riwav basically needs to be Porto by a lot of goals, which I don't see. So I think Santa Clara is really looking in good shape right now to uh, qualify. And then on Thursday, uh, Boa Vista will be playing Braga. Boa Vista leads the group with uh, three points. Uh, Braga has uh, one point. If Braga wins, boom, then they qualify again for the Tasa of the Liga Final Four. But if they draw or lose, then Boa Vista is through. And uh, potentially you could see at the end of January a Final Four where you could have a Boa Vista, a Santa Clara, a Sporting, and then potentially either a Guimarães or Benfica. Again, they have to play the matches. But uh, it would present, I think, the last two editions, the last two times we've had the Dasa the Liga, we've had the, uh, you know, the big three and Braga playing in it. This year, it looks like we might have a, uh, a different situation unless uh, a Braga and a Benfica, you know, don't take care of business and unless somehow uh, sporting, um, I think if they lose by like a crazy amount of goals, I'm not, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I think sporting's uh, pretty comfortable. But even if they draw, they're, you know, they're going to be uh, going uh, through. So the Dasa the Liga takes place uh, next weekend. And then after that, we go into uh, week 15, only three weeks left in the first half of the season. Uh, most interesting match uh, next week when I look ahead to that schedule, and I'll talk more about that next week. But if you're asking me what match to look forward to, I think Gilles Vicente, they've been playing pretty good. They're going to be hosting Sporting. 
Uh, last time Gilles Vicente hosted Sporting, if you remember, Sebastian Quatz scored that late winner to help them uh, win. Uh, so that's always kind of been a good luck place. But uh, as managers like to say, every match tells a, a different story. Uh, Benfica Maritimo, I think, is a, a pretty good match. Uh, Santa Clara is going to be at home to Guimarães. Uh, Estoril Praia will be playing Familia Con. Will Ivo Vieira still be the manager at that time? Uh, Braga will be at home uh, to Bisad. Uh, and that'll be for the uh, following uh, week. Uh, two Liga report. And there's actually a lot of news to talk about uh, with the uh, Two Liga. First off, Benfica B leads the way with uh, 29 points, followed by Casapia with uh, 27. Uh, Ferenc from Santa Maria de Feira with 26. And then Rio Ave with uh, 24. Definitely the best match of the weekend is uh, Ferenc uh, taking on Benefial. Third place versus uh, fifth place, so essentially Benefial playing this match before they uh, play uh, Sporting. Uh, you also got a pretty good match with Rio Ave and Mafra. You know, you essentially have the fourth uh, place team playing the sixth place team in that matchup, so that's actually a pretty good match. Uh, and then uh, Benfica B, the leaders, uh, they don't play until uh, next, uh, well, they play last, and they're going to be making the trip to Viseu to play Academico. Do Vizel, and that'll be coming up. I think that's, uh, I believe that's a Monday or Tuesday match. Actually, that's a Tuesday match uh, for uh, next week. But a few things to say about the second division. First off, uh, we've got some teams in the second division that have new managers. Uh, Varzim has a new manager. Covilla, like I told you, Lionel Punch. Uh, Fadence made a big move with their manager. No, they did not get a new manager, but they did extend the contract of Rui Ferreira to 2024. Fadence has a lot of hopes to return to the first division and they basically are showing a lot of a lot of trust in the managers usually managers come and go in the second division um there's not a lot of victor oliveras the great manager who unfortunately passed away uh i guess about a year ago uh a lot of managers don't make a big big career in the second division but uh this manager he's you know their project is to return to the first division so they made a move and he extended his contract through 2024. Another big move, uh, second division, was uh, Astrula Madura. They assigned a player that a lot of you might remember. His name is Miguel Lopes. He is one of the few players, I, I don't know how many total there are in history, but he has played for the big three and Braga. He's uh, one of those players. He was a player, if I think was back in 2013, um, he was with Sporting. And uh, actually, yes, it was January 2013 during the uh, transfer window. And Sporting, if you remember, did a, did a sort of like a North America NBA, MLB, NHL type trade, NFL, where they swapped players where Miguel Lopes uh, went from Porto to Sporting. And from Sporting, uh, if you remember, Marit Ismailov, um, if I remember correctly, he was a uh, Russian uh, midfielder. He, tons of potential, tons of potential. Uh, he uh, he scored, I remember, with Sporting, nine goals in 59 matches. But at the time, I think he wasn't happy there. They weren't happy with him. And he went to Porto. I don't know if this necessarily worked out for both clubs, but a very rare trade was made that year. Um, and he was uh, a part of that, um, um, uh, you know, in terms of uh, Miguel Lopes. But Miguel Lopes, eventually later on, he went to play for Turkey. He did a loan as well with uh, Lyon. And uh, now he's back in Portugal playing for uh, second division, uh, Estrela de Amadura. Uh, going to my uh, picks, um, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I suck. 
So don't be listening uh, to my picks. But nevertheless, I'm going to still do it again. My goal, by the time I get to May, which seems so far away, is to get 75% of my picks right. The last three episodes, I was coming into this portion of the episode talking two wins, two losses. Last week, I sucked even more. I only got one of my four right. Um, basically, last week, I predicted that uh, Benfica will beat Sporting. Um, you know, a lot of people give me a hard time because, and I still believe it, Sporting right now, in my opinion, is the best team in the Liga. Well, why didn't you pick Sporting? Major, major point against me, no doubt. But I think the thing to me about sports is that in sports, sometimes things happen that you don't expect. Sometimes the team you expect to win doesn't always win. And I think Benfica playing at home, the situation, you know, with the, you know, they were a little bit healthier. And in my, remember, Sporting had two players missing, especially Sebastian Quatz, their, you know, big time defender. Um, but I picked Benfica, and, and obviously that was a mistake. But uh, obviously I lost that pick. I predicted Benfica would win 2 0. And obviously we know the story. Sporting won 3 1. Sporting was clearly the better team in that match. They basically taught them a lesson. And again, at least um, maybe I sucked in this pick, at least what I've been talking about the last few months. Um, I think I've been proven right, at least. Uh, you know, I think Sporting right now is the best team in the league, and they're doing very well. Uh, I predicted Passos and uh, Vitoria Guimarães would draw 1-1. Guimarães won 2-1, so I lost that. Uh, I predicted Benfica B and Rio Ave, a battle of you know two teams in the top five, would finish also in a draw 2-2. Uh, Benfica B1, that one, a 2-0. Uh, what I did get right, and I'm kind of proud of it, was I got Santa Clara. I said that they would beat Aroca, and that's, in fact, what Santa Clara did, and they beat them 2-1. Uh, two, uh, two, uh, predictions for this weekend, I'm going to make four predictions. Uh, predicting Benfica will win at Familia Cone, and I predict Benfica will win 2-0, but again, I predict Benfica will win. Again, I'm predicting the win-loss or draw, not the results for everybody new. Uh, I predict Sporting will beat Boavista 2-0. I predict in the second division, Academica and Chavs will finish 2-2. Academica, by the way, has got four points in their last two matches. They're still at the bottom of the second division, but they've improved under their new manager, and I think they're going to continue. Whenever you have a team that's changed managers and they start to gain points, I always like to lean toward those teams to continue to get points. So I'm predicting Academica and Chavs, 2-2. Uh, and then Bisad Estoril. I'm going with Estoril to win 2-0. Um, very simply, number one, Bisad. Uh, most of the players have been in isolation, even though they're probably better rested. I don't know how great it is to be doing Zooms and uh, working out. Uh, that works for some people. doesn't work for everybody. Uh, Estoril is coming off that loss last week at Braga. They, you know, it was their first road loss uh, in the Liga. They've got something to prove. And obviously, Estoril is clearly the fifth best team in the Liga. They just really are. So I expect Estoril will beat um, second, uh, will beat B-Sad, and I'm predicting a 2-0 win for Estoril. So I'm predicting Benfica will beat Familia Cone. I predict that Sporting will beat Boa Vista. I will predict that Academica and Chaves will finish in a 2-2 draw, and I'm predicting that Estoril will beat uh, B-Sad. Uh, I was thinking about picking the Porto Braga game, and I know again Braga lately has had the better results against them, but that's a tough match. That's a tough match. Porto's going to be looking for something to prove. Braga, you don't know what their mindset is, depending on what happens in this uh, Europa match, but I'm not going to kind of going to stay away uh, from that one.
Uh, going through my Fast and Furious about a bunch of things going on in the Liga and uh, some uh, few thoughts. Um, first off, uh, Ebola. Um, last week, I had put out, it was a mistake because the Liga has it, uh, that um, Luis Diaz had 11 goals. And that's because there was that goal, but it was obviously a known goal. I think it was a known goal. Therefore, he didn't have 11 goals. He had 10. And I put it out, and I got corrected by some people. And amazingly, the people that corrected me were sporting a Benfica fans, uh, nobody from Porto. Uh, of course, I would expect that if you know if it was another player. I wouldn't expect the players on those teams to correct me. Um, but interestingly, if you go to Ebola, um, and I noticed this a few years ago, by the way, with uh, Merega. I think it was Merega, and there was another year... And I think it was a Benfica player. I can't remember if it was Pizzi or Rafa. Um, but I don't know if you know this in Portugal. Abola is the one that awards what they call the silver boot to the Liga leading scorer. It's a, my understanding is it's awarded by Abola. And Abola basically will do its own list of top scorers. So even though most websites in the Liga, and most of them it's always the same, we'll have like Luis Diaz right now leading the Liga with 10 goals. Um, apparently, I guess, Abola believes that Luis Diaz, that was his goal because they've had it in the newspaper now for a while, ever since that match. And this has happened a few times. So apparently I've been told that Abola likes to basically judge their own own goals. And if they feel like that's not the case, they will go with what they believe in. So uh, I found that out because, again, this has happened a few times in the past few years. And you know, sometimes you go on different websites to match the information and then you see something like this and inevitably you know someone's going to try to correct you even though most people have Diaz with 10 goals but Ebola has him with 11 and as you know most people associate Ebola with, uh, you know, being a Benfica paper. So I found that pretty interesting uh, unless it is a mistake but again I I've seen this before. Uh, Portuguese players abroad, um, how many times am I going to say it to you? You know, uh, you know, Bernardo Silva is on fire in the Premier League. Wow. Uh, Jota is doing very well. Andre Silva continues to do very well with Leipzig. He scored a Champions League goal this week. He's done very well. Uh, we know about Cristiano, although I don't put necessarily Cristiano because I think Cristiano's always done well for Portugal. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, again, um, you know, I, I'm great. I'm glad these players are doing well. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's just you know, and, and I've seen a lot of these comments on social media that you know, you know, everyone likes to blame Fernando Santos. I had a guy uh, follower named Chris Coelho, who busted me on uh, Twitter, gave me a hard time because you know, I still think it's also the players' fault too. And I'm sorry, I do. It's my opinion. Um, but yeah, obviously Fernando Santos is the manager, and and you know, he needs to change things to get the better of the players but um, at the end of the day I, I, I'm, I'm sorry it's just frustrating to see these players playing in the toughest in the case of the Premier League players the toughest league in the world okay you can't say La Liga is tougher you can't say the Bundesliga is tougher because even though there's a lot of good teams in the Premier League um, and uh, you know generally you know who's going to be in the top six or seven um, the bottom line is there's a good top six or seven teams in the Premier League, whereas in every other country, you know, Portugal will say three, sometimes four. Bundesliga, people will say usually most years two very good teams and then maybe two more. Some years, you know, about the La Liga with the Giants there. France is usually dominated by a PSG. We know what Lille did last year, but 
that's always been a league dominated one side by a PSG. But the Premier League is what we know. And the reality matter is we got some guys doing very well and just makes you shake your head why we can't bring that. And I know you're going to sit there and talk about Fernando Santos, but I'm sorry, people. It, it just you, you have to you cannot tell me that you're going to blame Fernando Santos and then you're going to sit there at the same time and think, you know, how come the players aren't doing better? And I guess that's my whole point. How come the players aren't doing better? I just think it's a very fair point. I think, again, at least on this episode, this podcast, my opinion, I think the blame goes to everybody. And I know one day someone's going to give me a hard time about it, but that's just the way I uh, feel. Um, the Liga, better late than ever, but obviously it's in reaction to what happened at Bisad Benfica. Now to go into a match, you need to make sure you have 13 players, including a goalkeeper. Uh, interestingly, uh, we saw that Tottenham, their uh, Europa match, they've got a COVID outbreak. They uh, they had to postpone their uh, match um, for uh, coming up, uh, Tottenham. And uh, the the it's funny, Europa rules or UEFA rules say that in order to play a match, you need at least 13 players. So I can't help but wonder if maybe they looked at the uh, UEFA rule and maybe decided to apply that now in uh, Portugal. And this was agreed by all Players Union, the Liga, the Federation, the managers. A lot of people were involved in this. A lot of unions were involved, and uh, that's the way things are going in uh, Portugal. So, uh, you know, again, you know my feelings last week once people saw the uh, the ficha, the uh, the lineup sheet, they, they sh just common sense should have set in. I'm glad common sense now has set in with this 13-player uh, rule. Give credit to the Liga and everybody for coming together and making this decision because a lot of times we complain about how things, especially punishments, take a very long time. I think people were all in agreement that what happened wasn't a very good thing. So moving forward, if you don't have 13 players, one being a goalkeeper, um, you know you won't be able to play. And, uh, and by the way, we're still having COVID situations in Portugal. Um, you know, you got to go get tested if you want to go see a match. I think they that doesn't apply for any of the stadiums that decide to have only less than 5,000. But COVID's a situation now. Uh, this Omicron, I'm, I'm not here to talk about COVID, but um, I know it affected B-side, but it seems like Delta is still the big problem. In, in, in Portugal, you know, still doing the restrictions, um, although the prime minister had said today that they weren't going to be doing any new ones. One thing I will say that Portugal is very smart about uh, last year, if you remember, they had that awful January. Awful January with the cases. They became the hot spot of the world. And that's because they opened everything up during Christmas. And, you know, Christmas in Portugal is the holiday, very religious holiday in Portugal. Uh, and then, obviously, you came to January. Uh, they didn't allow, I think everyone had to be home by 11 o'clock on New Year's Eve. But by then, it was too late. Major problem. This year, you know, you can still celebrate. Uh, you got to, you know... You got to show your vaccination. You know, they got all those protocols. But what they're doing in Portugal, interestingly, and I know this is not related to football, soccer, but I wanted to mention it. And that is the week after, I think January the 2nd until the 9th, everyone's got to work from home. I think uh, unless you're a very necessary employee. Uh, right now, the Liga is scheduled to go on that week. But I just read that uh, <clears throat> everyone has to stay home as, uh, as one of the ways to make sure that if people are sick, uh, because of the family gatherings that at least they're doing, you know, they're home. And maybe that's a good way to curtail it. So pretty smart idea. Learning the lesson of last year, much like we've learning the lesson of what happens when you only have nine players in a match. But at least we learned the lesson and, and Portugal looks to be learning their lesson and they're going to be um, 
you know, doing this uh, where you're going to have to stay home and work from home, basically, coming up January the 2nd uh, to the uh, 9th. Um, moving along here, and I got to go back. Uh, well, first off, let me just say before I get to my favorite team in Portugal, Atletico do Jarcos. Uh, by the way, let me give a shout out to Neil Fernandez. Uh, he, uh, I said last week that, you know, I am somebody that likes to tell it like it is. And um, Neil came to me and said that he's never been a big fan of uh, JJ. And uh, JJ, of course, you know, he thinks JJ wasn't the right decision uh, to come back. I don't know if you feel any differently with what happened with Dan Mokiev. But, um, you know, he basically said that he never wanted, um, you know, basically he never wanted uh, JJ back because he felt that he was just not, you know, a very good manager. As a matter of fact, as I sit here, let me read his thing. Um, you know, giving credit to people who deserve credit. And I, you know, and, and basically he's looking for credit because he said that JJ wasn't the best manager. And we're going to find out coming up in the next few weeks whether or not JJ is really the best manager because you've got the two Porto matches. You got the Tasa of the Liga match next week, which Benfica fans, even if they're not excited about competition, um, we'll see if they advance. Uh, we're going to know better in the next month or so whether or not J.J. is going to really be the right uh, manager. Because if they come out and they get eliminated in the Tasa of the Portugal, they don't advance in the Tasa of the Liga, and then on the 30th they drop points to uh, Porto, I think you know you might be having a different discussion. But uh, I want to give credit to Neil. He had always said that it wasn't a good decision. Um, and we'll see if you're right. But so far I think, you know, so far I think you're right. But again, let's put off that judgment until uh, the end of uh, the month. Uh, Bruno Lage, by the way, made a very interesting comment. He was interviewed, I think it was by, I don't know if it was CNN Portugal or Sport TV, and he talked about how, you know, managers in Portugal, when they're done, like to continue still talking about their old clubs. And he said that he doesn't like to do that with uh, Benfica, and that should be an example. So credit to Bruno Lage. He also said that the problem with Portugal is that too many things are discussed about what goes on off the pitch and not on the pitch. <laughs> Absolutely correct remark. When you think about the Bushkas, you think about what happened with Bisad, Benfica, too many things have been going on off the pitch that don't deserve to be a part of the conversation. Uh, people don't like this thing, but when I talk about North American sports, you know, it's always generally most of the time about what goes on on the field of play. Sometimes you'll have free agent talk because, you know, it's a little bit different in the States with player contracts. You know, you don't buy players. So once a player is in the final year of his contract, people are going to talk about that player going to another team next year while he's still playing for the old club. But for the most part, it's not like it is in Portugal. And uh, Bruno Leis deserves a lot of credit and compliments. He's right. Too many people talk about what goes on off the pitch and not on the pitch in Portugal. And I think he uh, deserves a round of applause uh, for that. Uh, let me uh, end it right here. i got to talk about my favorite team in Portugal. First off, you know that my team is Arsenal. Okay, I've always been, um, you know, very open about that. People still don't believe it, but uh, the, my team in Portugal, because to me, uh, it's just such a sexy idea. It's such a fun idea if they can manage to do it, like uh, Fade Ants from Algarve did it, going down, dropping down to the districts, working their way up. The original Bilanenses is trying to do that. You know, when they broke off with Bisad. They decided the original Bill and Enters to start their own team, and now they're working their way up. And I want to see the dream of my team uh, somehow. I don't think they'll ever make it to the first division, but my dream is to see them make it in the second division. But Atletico dos Arcos uh, basically finished first in their group by four points. Now they are in what they call the playoff promotion group. 
with a total of 10 teams, and they get going this weekend playing, by the way, beautiful beach up in Minho called Ancora, Ancora Praia, and that's who they'll be uh, get going. They'll be playing that match at home in Estadio do Putada. Uh, by the way, uh, I've mentioned this in the past that I'm kind of ashamed that I talk a lot about them, but the way it's worked in my life, I've never been able to go see a match, and that is definitely on my bucket list. Obviously, uh, I probably would have done it by now if we didn't have this freaking pandemic, to be honest with you. Easily, um, you know, I definitely would have, uh, you know, done it by now. But uh, they are playing now in the promotion. Again, the goal here is to go from the districts to the fourth division. And uh, they've got a big match this weekend against Ancora Praia as they begin uh, the first match of 18 in this uh, promotion group. That's how they do it in the uh, district. So good luck to the boys. Atletico do Jaracuz. They got a bunch of mostly Portuguese players who work around the city. And then these guys get together in the evening to play, you know, to practice, and then they play matches on uh, weekends. So I love the idea if they can make it to the second division. If, if let me tell you something, I know you're a Benfica, Sporting, Porto, Braga, Passos. You might consider the small team in your region to be the small, whoever's the closest division one team, maybe even a second division team. Follow your team, whether they're in the districts, the fourth division, the Campeonato. Uh, the third division, sometimes a lot of those matches are on Canal 11. Follow those matches, if only just to follow them and just to follow that dream of possibly. Because let me tell you, if you could watch them move all the way up, that's a great experience to be able to tell people that you saw your favorite team move up, even if it's just following their results from, you know, from week uh, to week. Anyway, folks, I've spoken enough. This is episode 96. Again, dropping it earlier in the week because my schedule doesn't allow to do it during when I usually like to. Um, December, pretty soon we'll have Christmas, pretty soon. Of course, we got, you know, the ongoing uh, Jewish holidays. Uh, we're going to have, uh, toward the end of the month, of course, uh, New Year's. Um, we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to have the holidays pretty soon. And obviously, we're going to have a, a big Classico, Porto Benfica, before Christmas. Then we'll have a big one the following week. We got Tasa de Liga. Uh, Monday draws coming up, Champions League and the Europa playoffs. So going to be, as always, a very busy week next week with a lot to look forward to. And as always, follow PortugueseSoccer.com on Twitter, and uh, we'll keep you up to date as well as on Facebook and our partner, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias on Instagram. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up again, episode 96. By the way, if you're wondering what I want for Christmas, someone asked me this the other day, I want a Twitter edit button because there's nothing more annoying than wishing you wrote something differently or you wish you f didn't forget, you know, you make a mistake. Uh, now that they have a new CEO at Twitter, maybe the new guy will decide to do a Twitter button. You think I'm going to get lucky? Uh, they actually will let you pay for a Twitter ed edit button, but that's only if you've, like, released the tweet in, like, one minute. I mean, who catches a mistake within one minute? Give me a break. Anyway, I'm going off tangent, but I have to vent because that's usually what I do on this episode or on these podcasts. Folks, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao.